Thank you, Pastor. Well, you want to talk about eating pizza? My wife will tell you, when you see me eating pizza, it's a pure act of love. Because she likes pizza. And it's just as next to nothing to me. But anyway, I love my wife. So about twice a year, I go sit down with her and endure a pizza. But anyway, I love the Lord today. I said, I love the Lord today. He's still by far the greatest thing that this old boy has ever found. I give honor to my pastor. I give honor to my God. I give honor to the other men in the ministry of this church. And I give honor to this great body of believers. And uh, I'm excited today because it's been a while since I got to be here. But it feels good. I feel like I've sought God. And I feel His anointing right now. I'm sorry I didn't get with media, but we're going to go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and the 10th verse. And I kind of got an assurance that what we're going to talk about today is of God because I don't know, I'm sure it happens to other men, but I set out with what I thought was the mind of God and studying and going to places. And we ended up, Brother James, <laughs> in a place where I, I didn't even think about. But he took me there, and I believe I got something from the Lord. Hebrews 12, and the 10th verse says, For they verily a few days chastened at us after their own pleasure. But he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Seemeth not to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is time to be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. God, I pray today that you'd bless this place with your presence. Use my lips, Lord. Let me lift you up, God, in praise and worship and anoint your word. Anoint me. Use me as a vessel unto you, God, that you might be lifted up, that you might draw all men. God, I praise your name. I praise your presence. I pray that you manifest yourself in this place today. I love you, Lord, and I praise your holy name in Jesus' name. If you clap your hands, 
Clap your hands like you mean it. You're worshiping an all-knowing, all-loving, a perfect God. Amen, amen. I love you, Jesus. You may be seated. Now, read into your hearing about an earthly father and a heavenly father chastening his sons, his children, in whom which he loves. And the Bible says that any chastening, anytime we get scolded, anytime we get drug up on the carpet, so to speak, anytime we get took out behind the woodshed, it ain't pleasant. If it's a real chastening, it ain't fun. But the Bible says that if you go steadfast in it, and if you put heed to it, it's going to yield a peaceable fruit. In other words, I can stand here as a 60-year-old man, a father, a grandfather, and I can still remember the words of my parents and how I wish, Brother Josh, that sometimes when I didn't listen to that chasing, I wished I would have. I'd have more money, I'd have less scars both on my body and my spirit, things would be a lot easier, I would be a lot more progressed in my life, I'd be in a different, better place. Even though when they had me on that front porch, set me down, I watched, we went to Natchez Friday, we had to go see a CPA, and my wife wanted to go to, well, we want, not just her. We wanted to go to Route 61. And I saw a black man and a woman, and I'm assuming was her son or maybe his nephew or something. I couldn't help but overhear. And he was schooling this young man. He looked to be like maybe Drew's age, about 15 years old, 14, 15 years old. He was telling him what he needed to do. And I was listening to what he was telling him. He was on spot. And probably why he could tell it with such conviction is probably because he didn't do that. And I wanted so much to walk over and say, but I didn't want him to think I was nosy, but I wanted to walk over and say, son, I know you think it's the most boring, ignorant conversation you had ever listened to in your life. But if you'll listen to the wise words of that man, I don't know who he is. He's right. You want to know why I know he's right? Because I didn't listen. So, even though a father loves his child in the flesh, a good earthly father is going to give him good advice. The last person or persons in my life that ever steered me wrong with my mom and dad. My mom and dad would have laid down and cut their arm off before they'd have gave me bad advice. And a lot of that advice that they was giving me was bought advice. Things that they learned from the school of hard knocks. So, just like any other boy, teenager, uh, I didn't listen. Sometimes I did. 
Sometimes I wished I should have, would have. But it didn't feel good at the moment. But the times I did listen, it brought good fruit. It done me good. And I was better for it. But the Spirit, the, the Spirit of God speaks to us as, as uh, spiritual children. And his, He chastens the ones that He loves, which is all of us. And if we would learn to walk in the chastening of God, His Word and His teachings, we would end up in a much more peaceful place. But because we're flesh, because we got our own mind and our own will, sometimes we'll butt heads even with God. And He always, if you ask for it, will provide grace and mercy. Uh, I'm trying to get a handle on things here. If we listen to the chasing of a true father, it'll bring forth a much richer life and reward. You'll have a better life here on earth, and you'll end up with a much richer reward, which we know is as heaven. I want to go back to Hebrews 12 and 1. And I'm going to try to teach from this. I'm just trying to get started here. Uh, Hebrews 12 and 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, Paul is teaching or writing to the church in Hebrews, the body of believers. These are Holy Ghost-filled people just like us. Inside the New Testament, it pertains to us. And he's saying, Seeing we also compass about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and let us run a race. Now, Paul is teaching in a parable as if we're going to get out here and line up somewhere on a starting line, and we're going to take off running. I'm in trouble. I couldn't run from here to the highway and back. And I'm going to blame it on my knees, but my lungs would be my problem. I'd be out there in trouble. Thank God that it's a parable. Christians, like us, we're running a race. But it's a different kind of race. He said, lay away every sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The great duty Paul had to try to teach Brand new people. Now, you've got to understand, the Holy Ghost is new. Living for God is new. Living for God with the Holy Ghost and grace and mercy. You know, it hadn't been that long ago, it was the law. 
But the law was made perfect by grace. And we have to run this race. But thank God it's not a physical race. It is a spiritual race. And we have boundaries. And we have guidelines. And we have testimonies. It said that every race has boundaries. Every race has rules. Every race, everybody starting in this race has to start at the same place. Brother Black, he didn't let you start 10 miles ahead of me. You may have started before me. You might be 10 miles ahead of me, but you started at the same starting line I did, which was right here at this altar. There's one place in our life where we're all equal, young and old. Wouldn't I look silly running against Brother Blake? I'll tell you all a story. I went up to Brother Chase's and worked on a dirt bucket one day, and I come back through town. And I saw a bunch of kids running in front of the schoolhouse. You could tell it was PE or something, some sort of training. Well, they was in front of the schoolhouse. Then I looked way up yonder, and there's somebody running by itself. Guess who that was? I got up there's Brother Blake. He's way ahead of them guys. I guess he was setting the pace. I went out by him. I rode the window down. I said, hustle, 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 hustle. You know, sitting up in there on the air condition. You know. But he was way ahead of them guys. And I thought about that day when I was studying this. But one of the greatest hindrances of us running the race is the concern for this earthly body. Oh, sometimes when we get chastened, we have to do things that hurt physically. Fasting don't feel good to me, but I do it. I don't do it near enough. I've never went in the wilderness and fasted 40 days, but I have an example in this word that whatever you fast is going to hurt and it's going to bring forth victory and a peaceable fruit. It's going to get your prayers answered. It's going to get God's attention. And you and I, the fastor, will be rewarded by God. What he prays for and fasts for in secret, he's going to reward him openly in front of everybody. And sometimes when we watch other people, that's running the same race we running. This ain't even in the notes, folks. I'm sorry. When we watch, let's just say, this is a kind of a illustration. Ree sent me a picture, text, of a literal truck load of bell pepper and banana pepper. A truck load that he picked out of his little old garden. Well, my little hill will not grow bell pepper. I've fertilized with everything you can imagine. It makes a little old rubbery thing that you can't even cut with a knife. And that bush will get that high, and I might get two off of it. But he's got them just, he can't even get rid of them. I told him, I said, you're going to flood the market. That's kind of a cartoony illustration. But 
I'm not real sure he's telling me his real secret about that. So, what I'm saying is, when I see Brother Josh Davis being blessed in some fashion, some manner, and I've been praying for the same exact thing. Maybe we're praying for the same four-wheeler. Let's just talk about that. He gets his. I don't even know he's praying for it. And I'm over here praying for it, and I ain't, got, I ain't nowhere near close to getting mine. But what I don't know is the price he paid. I'm not talking about both four-wheelers going to cost the same. But the price he paid in running his race, what sufferings he went through to get his reward, he got it in front of everybody, but he never mentioned it to anybody but God. Running this race, the one thing you got to lose concern for is your earthly body. You gotta, this body that we live in is not the most important factor in our life. If we get pronounced with a terminal illness, it shouldn't detour our race. No, I don't want to die. I don't want to leave my grandkids. I don't want to leave my children. I certainly don't want to leave my wife. You know, but the goal is, is to run the race that's set before me. The race that's been given to me and given to you, we can't pick it. If you're picking the race you run, I'm probably you probably out of the will of God. If you handpick this easy race over here where there's no trials and troubles and nothing wrong, everybody's happy and lickety split, it probably ain't. And we're all going to have good times. We're all going to have bad times. When the bad times come, that don't mean that you're out of the will of God and you're out of the boundaries of the race. You got to understand that if this body perishes, though he strike me down, I'm still going to be a witness to him that in my disease or in my dilemma, I can still finish my race and I can still receive a peaceable fruit, a peaceable reward. And there's a better thing waiting for all of us on the other side. You know, and, and, and I thought of this question, and I'm guilty. A dog wants to live. A dog don't want to die. Everybody's got the will to live. You can see very soon when a person loses its will to live, they won't last long. I fight to live, but through the grace and mercy of God, if I'm pronounced with a death sentence and I've got to live unto that death, i got to go through that illness, i got to go through that situation, I have to run that race, I have to complete that course to receive my reward on the other side. If I quit, I get mad at God because my earthly body has received a death sentence. 
Which one's more important to you, your earthly body or your heavenly reward, your eternal reward? Forget the streets of gold and gates of pearls. I want to lay my crown at Jesus' feet. Can you imagine people thinking they're still running the race and get to the get there and say, "Depart, I, you know, I don't know who you are, but I run my race." That's right, you ran yours. You didn't run the one I gave you. I'm so far off my notes. I'm not even going to try. Concern for the present life. And the fondness for it. In other words, our concern for our present life, and we're so excited about where we are in life. And I'm talking about an earth. You got a great job. You got $10 million in the bank. You know, everything's just running over. It's a dead weight upon our soul. I'm going to say this again. The concern for present life and the fondness for it is a dead weight upon our soul. It pulls us down. I can't make it to church. I, I gotta, you know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta, you know, and I, I, I'm not gonna be able to make revival because I took this new job, and you know, I, I can't, you know, I can't come to prayer meetings because I, I got, you know, I got, I got, I got, I got. It pulls us down. And it holds us back. And it makes our duties unto God and our life for God and difficulties harder and heavier than they should be. God said, take up my yoke. It's easy. My, your body, what I'm asking of you in your body is a reasonable service. But the concern for our earthly, everyday life can very easily become what holds us down and holds us back. And at a personal level, at the progress of our family, at the progress of our church, in order for us to have the revival that's been prophesied to us for years and years and years, we're going to have to turn loose of the concerns for this earthly body and this earthly life. And I'm just as guilty as the rest. I'm not, I'm not preaching to anybody. I'm, it's, it's, I'm right there with you. But it's what drags us down. It's what holds us back. And things that are accepted now would have never been accepted in the past. And he says, you got this you got two things that teaches you where to run and how to run. It's the Word of God first. When things come upon you that you don't understand, the first place to go is this book. And if you sincerely knock and if you sincerely seek, it shall be given, it shall be opened, you shall be filled. If your heart is right and you truly seeking the answer, it's in this book. And you'll get the same answer from Genesis to Revelation. It's not going to confuse you in any way. But then it says, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. 
What does that mean? If I'm lost in the race and I can't find my answer, I'm going to go see a Bernice Hollins. I'm going to go see a Sister Emma Grace. I'm going to go see an elder. I'm going to go see my pastor. I'm going to, I'm going to, find, I'm going to, I'm going to dig it out. I'm going to go find somebody that's been in this race at this place. All right, I come up to this big ditch. I'm not sure I can get across. How'd you get across? What'd you do and stay in the will of God? You know, I don't feel like I can go around yonder. You know, I need to cross it now. And I got this bad place. I can go to the Word of God, or I can go to a great cloud of witnesses. This church is very strong and very mature. I think I still remember things like what Brother Eulis Montpelier used to do. In my mind, I visit him. I still visit the words of Norris Poole. I still visit voices from my past in my mind. When I question what I'm doing, you know, I'll say, what would Jesus do? And then I'll say, well, what would Sister Emma do? Or what would Brother Mari, uh, Maurice do? What would Brother Eulis do? What would Sister Vernice do? What would any elder that's proven themselves time and time and time, years after year after year, never wavering, what would they do? A great cloud of witnesses. They can straighten you out. I've got to hurry. I'm just going to jump over, try to wrap this thing up. I'm going to go to Hebrews 12. Make sure I get this right. 12, 12 through 16. Wherefore, lift up thy hands which hang down. In other words, when your race gets weary and you, you, you just... You know when you get weary, your hands just... The Bible says lift them up. In your weariness, stand up. It says, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Don't pronounce defeat on yourself. Straighten up your hands. Straighten up your back. You know, the Bible says when you're fasting, and, and you you just hungry... <laughs> And you go, oh, my God. You know, first thing's going to happen. Hey, let's go down to Mitchell's and get a biscuit. Oh, I can't. You know, I don't say I can't. I said, no, I ain't got time or I'm not going to eat today. But it says to anoint your head. Don't walk out the door looking like you're starving to death. Don't walk out there pronouncing, I'm going to die. I've been, pastor's had us fasting for a week. You just got every reward you're going to get. Whatever that guy, whatever pity that person gives you, that's, that's it. You fasted and starved to death for that. I feel the same way about this. When you're running the race and you're weary, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, wash your face, comb your hair, straighten your shirt up, lace your boots up, and walk out with broad shoulders and a stiff back. Well, that didn't go over to you. I said, walk out with a stiff and straight, made-up mind and a backbone. 
And don't never let the devil see that you're wavering. I've been in that position. I've been where I thought, man, this is it. Where do you go from here? What do you do now? And It always comes to my mind, don't let the devil see that. Because I promise you, you give him knowledge, he's going to use it. And he's going to use it against you. And the only way he's going to know is if you tell him. I said the only way he's going to know what to use against you is if you tell him or you show him. He can't read your mind. He can't read your thoughts, but he can see your actions and your reactions and he can hear what you speak. I don't give him no ammunition. I don't give him nothing to use against me if I keep my sound mind. Told me I had a brain tumor. I said, I'm a winner either way. I never, I never fell all to pieces. The concern for this earthly body will conquer you. I had a first cousin, had a mother, lived for God all her life. She lived to be a, a very aged person. She didn't die young. But her mother died a natural death in God. And she got so mad at God because her mama died. And she quit going to church. What kind of junk is that? I'll tell you what I did at both of my parents. I worshiped God. My daddy burned up in a house fire. My mama died with cancer, a horrible death to watch. But they both died in the Holy Ghost. They finished the course knowing my daddy was, had a death sentence on him and my mama had one on her and my daddy died in a house fire on December the 23rd. And I sat and worshipped my God at their passing. The concerns for this earthly body will defeat you and consume you if you let it. Sure, did I hurt? You got that right. I still hurt. I still talk to my mama. But every time, every time I pray, I stop to pray, one of the first things I say, thank you, God, for saving my mama. Thank you, God, for saving my daddy. I heard my daddy curse Pentecost. And I saw my daddy playing a tambourine full of the Holy Ghost at Aimwell Pentecost Church also because I paid the price in running my race to see my dad saved. What am I telling you? Don't be concerned about what you see. Be concerned about what you know. Be concerned about what's coming. Put all that before the concern for your earthly body and your earthly needs. Run the race that's set before you. It says, looking diligently, in verse 15, man fell of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. When you fall, there's many going to fall with you. You may not never know it or know their names, but there's people watching you 
that you have no idea, that you know not, that they're watching. They haven't come told you, but they're watching. There's people every day that watch every one of us. Let your light shine. Don't let them see you defiled. Don't defile them by falling. Don't give them a crutch not to come to church, not to get right with God. Lest for, by any fornication, a profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meal sold his birthright. Why did Esau sell his birthright? It's a trick question. Why did Esau sell his birthright? Because he was concerned about his earthly hunger. He was hungry in the flesh. And he sold his birthright. You keep on reading there. I'm not going to get into it because I, I, I didn't get to where I needed to be with it. But it said, and he, he cried with repeat. He, 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 he tried to repent with tears. He sought it hard. But the scripture says he found no repentance. But because of his belly growling, he made a deal with his brother and he sold his birthright. When you become so concerned with your earthly life and your earthly troubles and your earthly diseases and your earthly finances and, and uh, uh, anything, you can, anything you can imagine, earthly, when you become so concerned and so caught up with that, it's so easy to trade it for a way out and lose your birthright. My birthright through Jesus Christ in him and through him is heaven. I've been on this earth 60 years. It seems like forever and it seems like only yesterday. That don't make no sense, but when you get 60, I remember when 60 was ancient. I remember things when I was a kid. I remember what it was like, Brother James, to be a teenager. It seemed like it was only yesterday. I can tell you things that happened to me when I was in elementary school. But I'm standing here before you, 60 years old, and I'm like, where did all that go? Esau gave up his birthright, and I'm closing, I'm out of here. For a hunger pain. He was not dying. When you're in trouble. And you don't know how to run the race. Go to the word of God. Find some help. Go to some of this great cloud of witnesses. That we're blessed with to be a part of. And find a way. Find a meal. Find a good meal. Find a meal that you ain't going to lose nothing. Don't denounce your walk with God or your chance at eternity for your earthly concerns for your body. And live upright, get you a backbone, and let's go to heaven. Let's have revival. 
Let's work at it. It's going to take work. I love you. Hope I helped you.